gotta be in shape to get up to this place, don't you? Man, that was a walk. I should have started during this last chorus, brother. That was great. Thank you for that song. I appreciate it so much. We're going to be showing a video in just a second. First and foremost, we just want to say hello. Hello. It's been so long. I was incorrect uh, telling your pastor nine years. It was 2016. I wouldn't have known except my wife corrected me, and now I'm okay. And so it was about seven years. But thank you regardless uh, of the difference in time. Thank you for your faithful, faithful support. And I'm sincere uh, when I say uh, your faithful support. Uh, it's not every time I, I say thank you, I can say faithful. And you've been consistent, you've been unwavering, uh, not only in your uh, financial gifts, but also in your prayers and reaching out. And many of you uh, stay connected to us. And you, uh, I would, I would uh, not call you just a uh, supporting church, but also many of you are dear friends to us. And we've grown close over the past seven years since we've met and so thank you so much for your friendship, for your love. And uh, Pastor Dignan and I oftentimes will send him uh, pictures of the, the beach that I happened to be at that day. Uh, or snorkeling or something I saw in the water. And uh, so uh, we have that bond as well. Trying to be a blessing. Just trying to be a blessing. That's all. That's all. And so we're going to just take a few minutes and uh, I'm going to show a video. And then my family will come up and we'll sing as the video is coming to an end, please come up to the stage. It takes a while. So please start heading up and just sit in the choir or something, all right? All right, if we're, are we pulled up, gentlemen, and ready to go? Are we queued there? It's so good to see all of you. All right, so let me get a handheld, brother. It's on. All right. If when you're ready, go ahead and play that. This is, of course, the shape of our island there at the beginning. And this is our family. All the pictures that you're going to see when we're posed with people, it's people that we had the opportunity to lead to Christ. All right. And so this is people that got saved. Of course, you know, we went through Hurricane Maria. So these are some pictures of us ministering during that exact time, having church in the plaza, meeting in the uh, uh, shelter. And then, of course, even visiting people on their hospital beds. And then after we lead them to Christ, of course, we baptize them and then want to disciple them one-on-one. -on -one. I'm real and big on one-on-one discipleship. Discipleship, you'll find out. And this is a service at 6 a.m. in the morning. All right, so don't think we're having church at the beach. We're not. It's 6 a.m. It's technically not the beach until about 10 or 11. This is just the coast right now, okay? So this is sunrise service, Easter, resurrection, Sunday, a wonderful, wonderful time we had. I'll let you listen to this if you want to pull the volume up. that's the group that we had out on that particular morning. We had one lady make a profession of faith that day. I'm always reminded of that in that picture. This is the building we met in for about four and a half years that the government allowed us to use for free uh, because of our work with them. And of course, we went through COVID. It was difficult for us as well. And we were able to have church in our front yard. So thankful for those days and the memories of that front yard because AJ got saved in that front yard uh, during those days. We're very thankful for that. And of course, uh, our son Clayton also got saved on the mission field. You'll see a picture of that here in just a moment. This is us just having one-on-one -on -one discipleship or with a family. And some of these people in these pictures I'm going to talk about in a minute that aren't even with us today. Uh, they've already passed on. This man here, listen to this. This guy used to worship this idol every morning at 3 a.m. until he got saved. And he took care of that idol in his life. Praise the Lord for him. And there's my son when he was shorter than me. Now he's taller. And we, boy, we, he got saved. We baptized all four kids in uh, the ocean, salt water. It's more potent than fresh water for baptisms. I guarantee it. There's something about it. Uh, the Bible says if the salt had lost its savor or something, you know, I might be taking that out of context. I'm not sure. But we always have a really good group. We have fellowships like you do. This is a Christmas fellowship here uh, out at the gun range, Brother Mark Stoner, out at the gun range. Praise the Lord. And some other folks we led to the Lord and our kids participate in all of our ministries and discipleship programs. And we love them and the effort that they put into the ministry. This is our son Clayton. 
you know, we got a family. We're going to live on the mission field. We're going to get involved in the community. You might ask, what's it like having a family on the mission field? Well, you might do programs in your community, a 4-H or whatever. Well, we do music, and this is a cuatro guitar. It's an indigenous instrument to Puerto Rico. We put our kids in. Also a way to learn a little bit of Spanish. Not much, but a little bit. And we also participate in sports in our community. Clayton played ba baseball. AJ and Oliver played baseball. They all played a little bit of basketball. Callie played volleyball. Mom played volleyball with Callie. And, uh, this is Hay Hill, her coach, and they're all singing happy birthday to Callie. And then, uh, like they do in all Hispanic cultures, when they uh, uh, want to say they love you, they smear your birthday cake all over your face. Uh, that's what they do. And so they did that for her. And, of course, they supported us in our ministry as much as they possibly could. This, my wife looks crazy right now in this picture because this is about 4 a.m. trying to get on a ferry to go to the main island. She doesn't like those mornings. Neither would you. Uh, so pray for her. Kids love the wildlife. They love their friends. That's Abby. He lives across the street. And uh, then the kids are always playing. AJ, crazy kid, was playing so hard one day he broke his femur broke his femur bone and we had to do things a little different over there we had to fly him to the main island on this little bitty airplane and take about three different connections uh, with uh, ambulances and got him squared away he's doing really good now there's a lot of different ways to minister on the island. Of course, we started an English-speaking church. It was God's divine will. I believe that wholeheartedly. But we also have a desire and a compassion for the lost that are Spanish-speaking. And so we wanted to have an outreach for the youth. And so we got these big blow-ups, and we had a dodgeball tournament, you know, and had about 40, 50 kids come out. And these nine kids came away from their friends, and they said, we want to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. So... Praise the Lord for those kids making that decision. Here's another young man you'll see with uh, curly hair who also got saved and, and uh, is doing well right now. I'm going to let you watch this without me talking. There's uh, some music behind it. This is our new building. I'll share just a little bit with you after this song. In the harvest field now ripened, there's a work for all to do. Heart the voice of God is calling to the harvest calling you little is much when god is in it labor not for wealth or fame there's a crown and you can win it if you go in jesus name does the place you're to labor seem too small and little known it is great if god is in it and he'll not forget his own Mike's there, and there's some mics back there, Clayton, we'll be over here. All right, well, you saw the building for the length of our ministry so far in Puerto Rico, five and a half years. Uh, we, by our count, and I'm, I'm not real big on counting, but my wife did it for me because she remembers every name. Uh, we uh, saw 37, uh, 37, 37 people come to Christ in those five and a half years. So thankful for that. And I'm going to share a few more things here in a moment about that. But about this building, we wanted a building uh, that we could call our own, right? That would be a lasting uh, place uh, for years to come for the future of Vieques Baptist Church. 
And God showed us this building. It was for sale for $100,000. Property is very expensive there. So $100,000, it was a steal. And uh, in, in the process of looking at this, I called a friend who was a contractor. He was a pastor. He was a friend, a good counselor. And I said, hey, brother, pray. I want to get this building in one year. I want to rent to own. I don't want to pay it off in one year. Would you pray with us, please? And he said, well, I'll pray about it. And uh, he ends up calling me back and he says, no, I, I don't think we should do this. I don't think you should do it. I, I don't believe the Lord's leading you to buy this building in one year. He said, I think we should buy this building in 30 days. And I said, well, I don't feel the Lord leading in that. Uh, I have 365 day faith. That, that doesn't mean I have faith every day. <laughs> That's my length. And I said, I don't have that 30-day faith that you got, and I might have called him some names that I can't repeat, but I said, I don't think that is what we should do, but I will pray about it, and I did, and the Lord smote my heart, and I said, listen, I don't know about this whole uh, faith thing in 30 days, but I'm willing to put God to it and give it over to him and get out of the way, and so we did that. We wrote letters to our supporting churches and just let God send in what he would will. And in 30 days, we had $115,000 come in for that building. And so we thank God for that. Amen. We're glad we have this building. There's a lot of work that goes on with it. And God's been providing for everything that we've been needing. We're going back to the island in January. And so you pray for us as we are going back. The next stage of this particular church plant will be for a full-time pastor to take the ministry over. So as we go back ministering, we are going to have our eyes open for that uh, next man that will make the church autonomous and self-sufficient. Uh, we will be at our table. We're going to sing a song, uh, and then I, I believe I'm still going to be allowed another five to ten minutes uh, to give you a word of encouragement. Uh, and then afterwards, I'm looking forward to hearing the clinks. It's so good to be with them. We're sharing the pulpit, I told Brother Clink. This is exciting. This is good. So I look forward to that as well. And then after the service, we'll stay as long as you want to answer all the questions you may have. And so just can't say thank you enough. Thank you for each one of you for all that you mean to us. Just give me a second to get to the piano. Let's talk about Jesus, the King of Kings is He, the Lord of Lords supreme throughout eternity. The great I am, the way, the truth, the life, the door. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. Isn't He wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? Let me kneel once more, I go. 
Awesome. We usually sing around the piano over there, so that was very different for us. We feel like the next step is the road. We're just going to, we're really real singers now. When we were here in 2000 and whatever I said, um, we acquired the Dignan's CD. And uh, thankfully, our car records um, music to the hard drive of the car, so uh, we saved it. Otherwise, the CD would have gone scratched a long time ago. I'm just going to use this gentleman, leave that for Brother Clink. And so uh, we wore that thing out. It's still in our car. And little Claire or Clara? Clara. Little Clara singing just that little bitty voice, you know, and we love that thing. Even we'll, we'll even put up with Brother Dignan shouting to that one song, you know, at the end there. Bless God. That's good stuff. Nehemiah chapter 4, or yeah, Nehemiah chapter 2, rather. I want to just give you a word uh, concerning a testimony in Vieques, uh, Puerto Rico there. Nehemiah chapter 2 is uh, uh, really something that I've preached a lot out of, that whole story of Nehemiah going back to Jerusalem. Remember, Nehemiah was in captivity under that king, and that king was not a believing king, but we would say he was a worldly king, but still allowed Nehemiah to go and restore Jerusalem's walls. And that's why we know that God hand was in uh, Nehemiah going back. That's one of the things we would look to. But in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 18, it says this. Nehemiah speaking, Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And so he goes and testifies of God's leadership and God's hand in getting him back to Jerusalem. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. And what I would like to do just for a moment is just give you some testimonies of how God has blessed us and blessed our ministry in Vieques, Puerto Rico. And just perhaps it will encourage you and it will strengthen your hands for the work that you have to do in your life and in your ministry. One of the things that we confront as preachers and one of the things that we have to deal with are some uh, perhaps hard questions. Uh, what about the nation in Africa uh, that has never heard the gospel? What about the tribe in the middle of the Amazon that has never heard the gospel? What about my loved one? If I get saved, then that means I'm agreeing with you that all of my loved ones who did not receive Jesus Christ is in hell. You realize that's how we think when we're from the world and we, we're, we're contemplating getting saved. And that's a thought that will go through our minds. Is if, if I submit to this doctrine, if I agree with God, that means I got to deal with the memory of a lost one who did not get saved. And if I believe the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ, then what about my lost one? Oh, that's a, that is a sobering thought. And that, that can be a very depressing thought, isn't it? But can I share with you just a few things that God has shown me? One of them is he gives us an opportunity. There was a man in Puerto Rico just after Hurricane Maria from West Virginia, and he was on contract, and he came over to uh, the island of Vieques to drive a gasoline tanker. That's all he did. And he would just drive that around the island and, and make deliveries and things. And I got up on the side of his truck one day and introduced myself. And he uh, shared with me his name. And I said, hey, um, can I share something with you? I shared the gospel with him. And he says, oh, I'm good. Me and God, we have our own thing. I said, well, did you um, 
confess him as your savior? Did you confess that you were a sinner, that you believe he died and rose from the dead and, and that you want him in your life and heart? And uh, he said, well, no, not exactly, but me and God, we got our own thing. I do things for him, he does things for me, and we got it all worked out. <clears throat> I said, well, but the Bible says, <clears throat> right? The Bible says, the Bible says, I keep telling him, and no, 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 me and God, we got our own thing going. This man goes back to the United States, and two weeks later, he gets in a car wreck, and he goes into eternity. And we would say, oh my, how sad, truly so. There was another man that was visiting our church, and in the process of visiting our church, he was so excited about our family being there. He said, I'm so glad your family's here. You got the sweetest kids, and I really like what you're trying to do for the island because we were trying to help with the hurricane relief effort right after we got there because the hurricane happened three weeks after we started the church. And so I love what your family's doing. If there's anything I can do, I want to help you. I also have friends that would love to meet you. I said, okay, who are these friends? He said, well, fr they're from this uh, church, Latter-day Saints. This Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. As, well, hold on a second, hold on a second, hold on a second. Uh, we're not going to be able to work with that. We're not going to be able to work with them. He said, well, why? He said, because we believe one way concerning Jesus Christ, and they believe a different way. And I said, we can't be in, in union with them uh, in ministry. And we practice separation there, right? Right? Amen. And so I said, and by the way, Jesus Christ is the only way. He says, well, Jesus Christ is a way. And, I, and if you choose that way, then that's a good way for you, he said. But there's also other ways. I mean, who are you to say the Muslims are all wrong? Who are you to say the Latter-day Saints are wrong? Who are you to, you see what I... Who are you to say, the, I said, well, I'm not anybody, but the word of God says that there's only one way, and it's through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And I would share the gospel with him, and he would refuse that gospel so freely given, so freely given to the world. And it was just a couple of months later, after the last time that I witnessed to him, he owned a boat, Mark, he owned a boat, and he got out of his boat, and he was snorkeling, and he had a heart attack, and he died. And he went into eternity without Christ. Then there was that dear lady you saw on her deathbed, who I asked, I said, are you sure if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? She says, no, but I want to be sure. And we were able to lead her to Christ, just a simple gospel. She got led to Christ. And then there was another man after Hurricane Maria. He was a drunkard. Uh, he, along of all his life, his father was a drunkard, he was a drunkard, and he struggled with alcohol all his life until the day he died. And, but he had me in his home, and he told me about some things that he's dealing with and his wife's dealing with after the hurricane and some emotional issues they had. I said, well, let's start at the basics. Let's start at the beginning. You need a helper. You need somebody who will walk through with life with you and give you the hope that you need. Let me tell you about Jesus. And I was able to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they, both at their dining table, received Jesus Christ as their Savior. Well, it wasn't some time later. He was actually in the ocean and stepped on something, probably a sea urchin. And it got infected because it didn't get taken care of properly. And eventually, there's, uh, his foot had to be amputated. And then more of his leg had to be amputated. And combine that with the past life he lived and, and some things that were still hard to conquer in his life and not getting the proper exercise, you get to a place where your heart just doesn't keep up with what you're doing to your body. He had a heart attack and he went into eternity. But I believe that he made a profession of Jesus Christ and I believe he accepted Jesus Christ as his savior. I saw some fruits in his life. You take those four people, two of them died and went into eternity in hell based on their own profession of what they believed concerning their salvation of their soul. Two others confessed Jesus Christ and went into eternity safe in the arms of the Lord. And there's many others that we had to witness to, but it, within five and a half years, four people that I personally witnessed to are in eternity today. And whereas we can, we, we might mourn 
those that went into eternity without Christ and that does stir our hearts to weep and to go another day and to go more fervently and to do more for God because we don't want to lose those. We still have the blessed hope. We still have the promise of God that there's the same opportunity for every person. And that's what we rejoice in. We rejoice in the fact that all four people, though some rejected, they had the same chance. They had the same hope that I have. They had the same hope. But can I share this with you and I'm done. The only reason they had that hope was because churches like you who believe in worldwide missions say we're going to sacrifice a cup of coffee this week. We're going to sacrifice not eating out. We're going to sacrifice rearranging our budget, our priorities so that we can give money to the church for them to send missionaries all across the world so that people will have a chance. And that's what we want to give them. And you've had the chance. What have you done with that chance? If you're here tonight and you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will not be able to blame anyone. It will only be you because we've all been given a chance in this roof. I know they preach the gospel here and we've all been given the chance. Don't live your life unsure if you were to die you would go to heaven. Let's get that settled today. Pastor, thank you so much for the time. Thank you for the word I was able to give. Hello. Tim said I could do the talking about our trip and then he'll do the, the preaching, but in Zambia, I actually preached. We had, um, were told on our way there that we were all presenting at a Christian ladies conference um, and so we scrambled because we thought we were going to do maybe a few Bible studies. Um, but they had churches from all over that had planned to come in, and they let us do all the presenting. So we're driving there, and a Zambian man was driving, and I said, so tell me, what's, what's the makeup of this Women's Ladies Conference going to be? And he said, well, there'll be singing, and there'll be preaching. And I said, oh, who's going to do the preaching? And he looked at me, and he said, you are. <laughs> so not only did I preach, but Mrs. Wynn from Pleasant Ridge also preached. Um, both of our comfort zone, her more than me, but you couldn't tell it when she got up and preached. So we all, we, we left the ladies' conference having preached for our very first time. I asked Kristen to come up here with me, and I said, if I get emotional, you can take over. And she said, or I could just punch you. So I didn't encourage her to come up. But Kristen does have a skirt on that she had made by a Zambian lady when we were there. They wear shatangas there, and it's actually material that they buy. And for most of the women, it's simply a wrap. It's a piece of material that they wrap around them with something underneath. Um, you rarely saw a woman in skirts over there. They're very traditional and almost exclusively wear, wear skirts of some sort. Uh, you rarely see a lady in pants there. Almost exclusively wear the shatanga material that um, cost a couple of dollars, which would be slightly less than a day's worth of wages for them. But Kristen has a skirt on, if you'd like to see it, that she bought um, in Zambia made from material that they commonly wear. And when you go up to her, you could give her a hug, because Kristen likes hugs about as much as her dad does. Amen. First of all, I want to say thank you for the gift. Tim's going to talk more about what we did with the, with the money that you gave us um, and, and what happened with it on the trip, but, but it was certainly fruitful, and we were thankful for that. So um, the, the people there, as I mentioned, the ladies... Um, wore those shatangas. They don't have very many clothes. We, we saw several houses. There's no closets. There's no wardrobes. You don't need a closet or wardrobe when you only have a few sets of clothes. Um, so we, we were able to, with some help from, from folks here and Pleasant Ridge, took tons of clothes over there and a lot of other donations. Um, I'll have a picture to show you of that too. Um, where we stayed um, had an orphanage with some students, um, some kids that lived there, and they also had a, a large school where kids from that orphanage went to school, but also kids in the community went to it. It was a primary school, so preschool through seventh grade, and we met a number of the teachers. The teachers make about $100 a month. 
um, and that's a pretty common wage that they make. The exchange rate in Zambia was 1 to 21, so one of our dollars equaled 21 of theirs. Um, so I, I bought material for three skirts, and it cost me about $7. Um, it, it's a very um, third world country. Let's see. I'll have pictures of most of this. I want to talk about, um, we did, as I mentioned, we did do some ladies and men Bible study. They don't have church um, on Sunday night or Wednesday night because the people walk into church and walk several hours to get to church. So they have one service a week. But there where we stayed, they had um, a ladies and men Bible study that turns um, leading. Um, okay, let's let's start the pictures, and I'll t I think most of the rest that I have to talk about, I have a picture of. Anytime. It's behind me, but I can't see it. That's great. <laughs> this is the team that we went with. Um, so Tim and I were at um, Pastor and Mrs. Wynn's house one night, and she mentioned that they were their church was taking a trip to Zambia. And I said, oh, that's nice. Absolutely no desire to go to Africa. Never has it been on my bucket list, never a thought in my mind I would ever go to Africa. But I said, I'll have to tell our daughter Kristen. She would love to go. Text to Kristen, Pleasant Ridge is going to Zambia. Tell them I want to go with them. And then we walked around the corner and I said to Pastor Wynn, your wife was telling me your church is taking a trip to, to Zambia. And Pastor Wynn looks at Tim and says, you guys should go. Tim's not going to go to Africa. <laughs> and Tim says, well, if there's a building project I could help with, I would go. And my mouth dropped open. And the next thing I know, we're on a 16-hour flight to Zambia, Africa. It actually took us 30 30 hours to travel with lots of changes in flights, um, but we got there. So can I have the first picture, please? It's already showing. Oh, that was the team that we traveled with. This, so while we were there, we did a number of feeding programs. The people are very, very poor. They don't have very much food. So one of the ministries that this mission has is to go out into the bush churches and kids come in and they feed them. Usually it was about 100 to 150 kids, no adults except one exception of a church we went to. Um, the kids walked in for an hour or more to be fed with this feeding program and everything is cooked over an open fire. So this is some meat. Um, the first, the, the very big pot is called shishima. Is that right, Kristen? It was basically a real thick mush that they would, everything's ate with their hands, they would, they would make it kind of an oval shape with it and then use it for dipping. Then there's Hungarian sausage that's cooking there, and then whole chickens, everything cut up, the feet are in there, everything is eaten. When, when you have nothing, you, you want to eat. And we didn't see very many animals, and it's because they ate. If there was a live animal, they were going to eat it because they, they really had nothing. Okay, next picture is, oh, Kristen is stirring the pot of the shishima. The ladies that are doing it, they had these massive paddles that they stirred it with, and they kept adding more and more cornmeal to it, and it kept getting thicker and thicker, so they let her stir it. That's a picture of her doing that. And this, this is us actually feeding the kids and giving them the sashimi. Um, they, they got a pick of one piece of meat, either the sausage or the chicken, and then they had this soup that was actually, they boiled the sausage, in grease and then took the sausage out and then they cut up some tomatoes, put it in the grease and then added cornstarch to it to thicken it and it became their soup. And they ate the grease soup. Um, and then we have a drink for them in a roll there on the end. You can see uh, Pastor and Mrs. Wynn there on the very end. This is Mrs. Wynn preaching and we had this amazing interpreter with us. Her name was Eunice and she interpreted us um, for the, the evening we were there when Mrs. Wynn spoke and some of the other ladies that went and gave their testimonies and then the next day um, she interpreted all morning for us um, and she was an amazing woman. She's also a teacher at the school so she makes $100 a month. She has um, two kids, a husband and I talked to her at the school 
she rides 45 minutes on her bicycle to get to school, and it's a luxury to have a bicycle that costs $200 if they buy these rusty old bicycles. Um, or she had to walk because her bicycle was broken, another family member was using the bicycle. She walked for an hour and 15 minutes to get to the school every single day to teach. Lots more pedestrians and cars there. Um, but what was weird is I would say half a sentence and she would say three. So I don't know if she was re-preaching my sermon <laughs> uh, or what the deal was, but it, it definitely took a lot longer for her to say the half sentence I said. This is a bridge that we drove over to get to one of the Bush churches. And um, it's just logs laid out. So we decided it'd be wise to empty the large number of people that was in the vehicle out before we drove over this bridge that had crocodiles underneath it. So that's a picture of Tim actually walking across the bridge. This is Tim preaching. Um, they had a pastor's institute that, that our men filled um, the agenda of while they were there. They come in a couple of times a year. Tim had, he does not preach a long time. You know, he's pretty quick spoken. Um, he finished half of his message <laughs> because the interpreter who was interpreting in their local language of Bimba um, actually spoke a lot longer than he did. Um, but you can see behind him all the suitcases that we took. Each of those suitcases were filled with a variety of ladies' clothes, men's clothes, kids' clothes, some housewares, some baby items, um, things like that that mainly um, Pleasant Ridge had donated. Um, the Stones um, donated two suits that the pastors were thrilled to have um, and some, uh, some other items of clothing. Um, so the pastors each got to take a suitcase with them home filled with those items to share with the people in their church, um, just donated items. Um, one of the, the pastors, well, four of the men were actually from the Congo who had came in for the Bible Institute, um, and they had ridden in, Tim will mention it, but they had ridden in on a motorcycle, a motorcycle, four men, and they were thrilled to have these four suitcases, and I said, how are they gonna get them home? And he said, they will figure out a way to take that home with them, that will be invaluable. Okay, what do we have next? This is the school, um, and you can see the Zambian flag floating there. Several buildings kind of connected together. There's no windows in any of their, their buildings. You need the breeze, no air conditioning. Rarely do they have a fan because they don't have electricity. What's next? Um, this is actually the church service that we went to on Sunday. It was a Bush church. There were 204 people present in that church, and most of them, except for us from where we had stayed, um, and some deaf kids that came in from out uh, from the town um, had all walked to church there. And I think there should be a video of them singing. Their singing sounds a little bit different than ours. This is their choir. They always start at the back of the church and walk in. No instruments. There was a drum a couple of times, but not much. We can flip to the next video. Yeah, go to the next video. Thank you. that we play stayed. The first building right here that's under construction is the Creation Museum, and Tim will talk about his building project that connected with that. Um, the house on the left was the house Tim and I stayed in with another couple. Um, the one in the middle, most of the team stayed at, and then there's another team, um, another house that some more of the team stayed. Um, and the building that's far in the back is the orphanage. Um, and there was also a church there in the Bible Institute. So all right there. All of them had walls around it, mainly because they had dogs in each, each area um, that kind of protected it. Um, but uh, um, 
was going to say something about that, and I can't remember. What's next? This is the project Tim went over to build. So this is connected with the Creche Museum. Um, the, they have a lot of misconceptions about um, the earth and animals, uh, mainly taught by witch doctors that are very prevalent there. And so they want to teach kids about God's creation with the Creation Museum and then have um, this observation tower that Tim built, 30 feet tall, climb up the inside of it to the top. They're going to have a telescope where they can teach the kids about God's universe that he created. Um, and as they were building that, they asked Tim, could you build a climbing wall with it? So you can see him climbing there on the outside. Um, it's, the, it's one of three climbing walls in all of Zambia. There were two before two weeks ago. So that was um, a fun project that hopefully we'll be able to use to reach kids for Christ. What's next? Oh, this is, um, um, so in the small, the small community that's closest to where we stayed, it's called Kalalusha. Um, there's a foundation that reaches disabled kids, uh, most of which are deaf, and it's called um, IPOLO, I-P-A-L-O, which means blessings in the local Bimba language. So we went there, and I taught a Bible lesson and met lots of deaf kids. There were a, a couple of kids with others. So as I was speaking in English, I had a sign language interpreter, and then we also had an interpreter interpreting in their native language there of Bimba. So I, I, at the church service, we also had deaf, so we had a deaf interpreter there, and I had talked to someone who knew some sign language just about the differences in American Sign Language and Zambia Sign Language and found out several differences. Um, but when our, our teens got up and, and sang a couple of songs and I asked if I could interpret them, and I did, and they assured me they understood me. I think it's about maybe 65% of the same language. But here's a sign I thought was really unusual deaf. Anyone have a guess of what that sign might be? How do you know that? She said, I, I told Joyce this morning, it's a sign for food. Well, we sign food like this. They sign it with an F like this. Well, that's also how we sign King and Christ and Lord. And I'm like, why, why is food signed like royalty? I thought that was really amusing. So I told them several of their signs were wrong. And they, they needed to, to change them to make more sense to, to us dumb Americans. Um, what's next? This is a common house that they live in. They build their own houses um, out of kind of what we would call like a cinder block um, type of thing um, with mortar. And then they either have a thatch roof on it like this picture does, or most of them had metal roofs on it. So that's a real common structure. The next picture, please. This is a termite hill. This is what they build their cinder blocks out of. So the termites are very, very prevalent over there. These hills are everywhere. Like, you can't stand anywhere and look around and not see a massive termite hill like this. So the termites have created that hill with their saliva, and it's very sticky. So then they mix that with water and, um, you know, a mold, and that makes their bricks. So that's how they kind of have free material to build their houses with because these termites are so prevalent over there. Okay. This is the church that we went to. This was the only exception with the feeding program, not just having kids. It was actually the very first pre feeding program that this Bush church had ever had. And um, they'd invited the adults to come too. Pastor Wynn taught the adults and I taught the kids in the pastor's house that's being built next door. You can see no windows, no doors. This is their pews. Anybody wanna sit on a pew? Uh, and this was the, the roughest that we had seen. Most, most of the churches had real rough benches in them. Um, a lot of times not with backs or anything. So um, I, I'm not sure why this church doesn't have pews and maybe they just haven't built them yet. But that was what they were sitting on in the service that Pastor Wynn taught. Um, this is the restroom. We didn't use it. Yeah, so all the ladies were very careful to not consume too much liquid before we went to church. And we went to church a lot because every night we were doing a bush church um, as well as the Sunday service. What's next? This is some kids at the feeding program. They were so joyful. These people showed us so much love. Walking down the street, you wave at someone, big old huge smile. 
They were just so welcoming to us everywhere that we went. And they love Jesus. What's next? Oh, I thought I had a few more pictures. So um, let me see what else I did, didn't talk about. Oh, okay. So the, some of the team that we went with actually went across the lake, they call it, which was very, very north Zambia. They had to fly up there. Pastor Wynn was supposed to go. And um, he, the, when he was telling Tim and I, where's Tim? about the trip he said i'm going to get to fly to this place where they're just starting churches way out in the bush people have never heard the gospel and i get to do that but i have to lose some weight because there's a limitation of the weight on the plane so he said i that's a good you know focus for me so he worked hard he worked hard he worked hard going to take this trip across the lake we get there the night before they're leaving for the lake he says i don't have peace about going and they actually had one of the other men who's only been saved a year and a half who surrendered his life to start churches take his place and that man went he's he's already been preaching and he went in his place so then um so while they're gone we're going to a bush church we're having a feeding and they the lady the lady missionary usually does the bible lessons at the feeding and she said when, I st when we start a new program, we don't start in the Gospels because these people haven't heard anything about Jesus. So we start in Genesis. We start teaching them about Genesis. So they had taught, taught. This was the fifth time they had gone, and she said, Pastor Wynn, because you're here, I've taught for a month about Genesis, I'd like you to present the Gospel. So he did. Tim and I were there. He did a great job. Um, probably half the kids in attendance accepted Jesus as their Savior. There were over 200 people saved. The, the first church that I showed you, the outside of, um, I taught the Bible lesson there, and there were eight kids who were part of that church. The rest of the 40 kids or so don't attend. They just came from the, the community there in the bush, um, and they, were, they all accepted Jesus as their savior. Um, as I taught about Jesus's love for children. Um, and so when we got back, um, then we heard that one of the boys had been saved when Pastor Wynn had taught the gospel that normally would not have been taught yet because she was still going through Genesis, still in the Old Testament. But because we were there, she wanted to, uh, um, that taught by the special speaker that they were all coming to hear. So he presented the gospel. This 10-year-old boy got saved. And then after we got back, we found out that he'd gotten very sick one day. And um, they just don't have the health care there. You, they don't even have cars. You don't rush to the hospital to see a doctor because you have. But he, he, he told them, he said, I feel like my insides are being torn out. Um, and the next day he passed away. Pastor Wynn found out why he didn't have peace to go on that trip. A 10-year-old boy is in heaven now because our team went and shared the gospel. I think everyone should go on a mission trip. I think everyone should go to Africa. I've always wanted our church to take international mission trips. Always thought I would go if we did. We never have. Um, so I'm hoping we can maybe spur that um, to happen because I'd like our teens and adults to experience what Tim and I were able to experience on this. But one of the things that I would compare, they have no electricity, they have no water, they, ha they have no cars. Um, I've told Tim, I said, it's like we're back in the 1800s in the United States. It's like the frontier. Truly. Except we had modes of transportation. Everybody had a horse, everybody had a carriage, everybody had a cart. They have no modes of transportation. They have to walk everywhere. So why was the United States able to go where we were in the 1800s to where we are today? Tim's gonna to talk about that now. The future of America is determined by its fathers. Preacher tells of a man that came over to America to find its greatness. The man went home and said it was because of her churches. He was only half right. 
Fathers are what make up the churches. It is the fathers that make America what she is. I do not see very many great fathers anymore, or should I say godly fathers. I do not see me as better than you, for I am not. I do, not believe the Bi I, I do believe the Bible and what it teaches. There are many biblical principles that will make my life more blessed. For instance, sowing and reaping, Galatians 3, 8, and 9. I'm going to try to get through all these Bible verses. I have a bunch. I'm going to um, Galatians 3, 8, and 9. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel of Abraham, unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all thy nations be blessed. So then, so they, so then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. God gave us a, a promise that if we have God with our faith, he's going to bless our nation. All right? Romans 1, 18 and 32. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. 32. Who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only to do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. The Great Commission. Why is it in the Bible? It's in Matthew 28. I believe for the most part it is because fathers failed to do their job. They did not teach their children to have a personal relationship with God. Ephesians 6, 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. God will destroy or bless a nation or people on its relationship with him. It is proved many times in the Bible. It is the father's responsibility, not the mother's. It starts with Adam. He was kicked out of the garden. We'll go to Cain, Genesis 4.13. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. We have um, Seth. He's blessed. Genesis 4.26. So, and so Seth. To him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos, and, and, then began, and then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. We have Noah and the flood, Genesis 6, 9. And there are generations of Noah. Jonah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. We have Ham, Shem, and Japheth, Genesis 9, 20 through 24 and 27. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew that his younger son had done unto him, and he called and he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall be to the, his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord of the Shem, and of Canaan shall be his servant. God shall enlarge Jephthah, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. Nineveh, there's a story. My perspective, Asher built Nineveh. Asher is Shem's son. Shem is the one who had... Um, as God on his own, Bible verses, okay? Genesis 9, um, Genesis 10, 11. Out of this land went forth Asher and built a Nineveh and the city Reboth and Calah.
22. And the children of Shem, Elam and Asher, and Axad, Lud, and Aram, okay? Shem, and then 926. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of Shem and of Canaan shall be his servant. Maybe Nineveh got a second chance because of the father's father. We have Sodom and Gomorrah. Israel, it's back and forth. All the nations God wanted Israel to destroy. Why? They would cause, influence Israel to follow other gods. Noah had a father. David had a father. Solomon had a father. Rehoboam, Solomon's father. What happened? We have Ecclesiastes 2, 18 and 19. Yea, I hated all my labor. This is Solomon and is talking, all right. Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken from under the sun because I should leave it to the man who was after me. That would be Rehoboam. And who knoweth whether he be a wise man or a fool? Yet he shall have rule over all my labor which I have labored, and therein have I showed myself wise under the sun. This is also vanity. Solomon didn't know the man that he raised. What kind of father doesn't know who he's raising, okay? Mary, the mother of Jesus. Joseph, the, mother of Je uh, the father of Jesus, okay? They were, f there are a few places in the Bible where a woman takes the leadership control, but, is, but the, ne the woman is never held accountable for her day outcome. Eve was punished, yes, held accountable, no. I, I have a maybe or a, a was question. Maybe Solomon was too busy being king and neglected his most important purpose, being a dad. Are we men, dads of the future, dads in the present, even grad dads, too busy doing things, good things, and are neglecting our most important duty, if you will, which is encouraging our children and our family to have a personal relationship with God. As a mother, we should get behind our man, encourage him to help him be the dad he should be, as did Aaron and her hold up Moses' arms. A mother can make or break what the father is trying to accomplish. A mother should not undermine dad's authority. It needs strengthened, sorted out away from the children. Be there for each other, encouraging your family in the ways of the Lord. I went, I saw, I lived a, some, a small portion of how they lived in Africa. I drew a conclusion. America is headed in the wrong direction, and they are headed in the right direction. They are looking for God. We are trying to remove him from our existence in our lives. They have very little. They have very little food, clean water, clothes, electricity, decent roads, which are not important if you do not have food and water. We do not appreciate what we have. We should. We, are, we were without things for a while when we were in Africa, not for our entire existence. We or I were able to complain when we were without quite easily. A whole nother lesson. They are, however, looking for God and, and putting him back in their lives. They know they are missing something. The mission had a pastor's conference, a group of pastors, rode, Deborah spoke of this, they rode on a motorbike for two days so that they could be taught. There was two interpreters, one that, so that they could understand what was going on. We helped feed children, preached to them, many were saved. They were doing this before we got there, they will continue without us. We went to church with them, they like to sing, you can hear it in their voices. You don't know what they are singing, but you know they mean what they are saying. We stayed at a farm, which is more of a compound. Compound just doesn't sound so good. <laughs> there they have an orphanage, missionary housing, a school for pastors and for the children, a school for the um, It is the center of the wheel for where they start churches, keep the churches alive, feed children, teach pastors, help the community in all the way they can. They care for the people. I cannot account for all that they do. 
The money you gave us went for a very good purpose. I gave most of it for the work they are doing. Some of it went to help for the wall, a little to help others get over to Africa. And yes, I kept a small portion for me and my family to help us get to Africa. Thank you for your gift. Back to singing. Even the rocks will cry out. Have you ever seen the mountains, the, the, um, the canyons, the caves? They are quite a sight. Their echo, the deaf perception. My hammer, so to speak, does my singing for me. Proverbs 22, 8. Proverbs 22, 6, rather. No. Um, Proverbs 22, 28. Remove not the ancient landmarks which thy fathers have set. Okay. Landmarks are for, are for questions to tell the next generation of Jesus. The churches I have built are to tell the next generation. I went to Africa to do the same. I wanted to build a church when I went to Africa. God saw otherwise. David Barnhouse, the reason for this mission exists, thought it best I built an observation tower climbing wall for the children to see the mighty universe. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, where they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. As a landmark, a landmark, if you will, is something that will definitely, it's a landmark, if you will, that, that something will definitely get their attention and a tool to use to teach the gospel. Food lasts only a day, eternity lasts forever. I believe God is giving Africa a second chance, just like Nineveh or anyone else who chooses to want a relationship with him. Matthew 18, 21 through 24. Then came Peter unto him and said, Lord, how oft then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? And Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven like unto a certain king. We won't read all of that. Um, If America chooses to throw God out of society, what will happen to its people? Romans chapter 1. This all got me thinking. Why would our children want to have a relationship with the Lord after they leave home? What do I do? What did I do last week? Before that, what am I going to do next week to spend with my family and the Lord at the same time? Church, devotions, that's not enough. Sit still, pay attention. Don't wonder why we can't keep our next generation. Don't pick on Susie, your sister. The Lord needs to be part of our life, included in our daily activities. He is real. We need to see him as such. He needs to, see, he needs to be seen by our children, almost like going to a friend's house or a grandparent's house. Africa. Where will we be if we don't get our next generation in line with the Bible? We all start on the outside, the outside looking in. This is where grace begins. We were hungry, we were 
thirsty with nothing left to give for the shape that we were in. And just when all hope seemed lost, love opened the door for us. He said, come to the table. Come join the sinners who have been redeemed. Take your place beside the Savior. Sit down and be set free. Come to the table. Come this mighty crew of misfits, these lunkers and these thieves, there's no one unwelcomed here. So that sin and shame that you brought with you, you can leave it at the door and let mercy draw you near. So come to the table, come join the sinners have been redeemed take your place beside the savior sit down and be set free come to the table come to the table to the thief and to the doubter to the hero and the coward, to the prisoner and the soldier, to the young and to the older, all who hunger, all who thirst, all the last and all the first, all the paupers and the princes, all who fail you've been forgiven, all who dream and all who suffer, all who loved and lost another, all the chained and all the free, all who follow, all who lead, anyone who's been let down, all the lost you have been found, all who've been labeled right or wrong, to anyone who hears this song. Come to the table, come join the sinners who have been redeemed, take your place beside Come to the table, come to the table, sit down and be set free, come to the table.